0: In a stunning upset, Republicans lose the Senate and barely hold on to the House, former President Trump announces his third candidacy for president. And of course, we'll preview Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. Overhype or battle of the century? Also, taking it to the tweets, why is it taking taking forever for the fourth largest economy in the country to count their votes? This is On My Mind, and I'm Ray Perez. Hey, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is On My Mind, and I'm Ray Perez. I appreciate you guys tuning in, and we are just about a week removed from the midterms, from the general election of the midterms, and here in parts of the country here, specifically here in California, the fourth largest economy in the world, and we are still counting ballots which actually affects a lot of local races of the city, city here and where I live. There's a school board race that is within five votes, and they still haven't counted all of the remaining ballots. Now that also in the balance. That also affects us nationally at the house level. here in the Central Valley you have former California Assemblyman Adam Gray going up against a businessman John Duarte and there is a couple of thousand remaining votes left in that race which we are going to actually get into on how the Republicans possibly buck the trend of national politics. We're going to get into that in just a moment and how the election of Kevin Kiley going up against Dr. Uh, Dr. Kermit, who who he faced in the congressional ballot, that was actually called here in Northern Sacramento. So Kevin Kiley, he, I believe, represents 218 in the House for the Republicans. But, if you haven't, if you've been hiding under a rock, you well know that President Trump has recently just announced his third candidacy for president. And if you are on Twitter like I am, there's a lot of people. Well, I think there's two people that are actually unhappy about it. I mean, there, there there's two people. There's two people. There are ones that are unhappy, and then there's those that are actually thrilled about it. And they're going to pretend that they're not thrilled about it. The people who are unhappy are me and the regular Republicans. And then, obviously, there's other people that are happy about it. That would be the Trump base. Um, And I say this being a two-time Trump voter. I'm going to be out front about it. I'm not happy about it. And I'll get to that in just a second. And then there's the other people that are actually happy about it. And that's just Democrats. Because they know that they can run a glass of water, which is, I can make the case, that's what Joe Biden's presidency has been. A big bunch of nothing. And they know that he's most likely going to win. They know that because half the country almost the entire country nobody has an unknown view about Donald Trump. Everybody has an opinion on Donald Trump. No one can say I don't know about him. Everybody knows about Donald Trump and we're going to get to that in just in, in just a few seconds. The other day Donald Trump just announced that he was actually running for presidency, for the presidency and I'm actually going to show you what that looked like. Play the tape.
1: Entrenched interests. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. Together, we will be taking on the most corrupt forces and entrenched interests imaginable. Our country is in a horrible state, we're in grave trouble. This is not a task for a politician or a conventional candidate. This is a task for a great movement that embodies the courage, confidence, and the spirit of the American people. This is a move
0: Okay, so that that type of rhetoric this type his speech went on for almost an hour and of course i think just in typical trump fashion this isn't you know uh, an indictment on him this is just saying you know that he's the type of guy who had a tv show he likes being in front of the spotlight that's how his speeches actually go right they go on for an hour they drag on and it's really all about him now the problem that i have here and we can all say i know that that discussion has been Oh, I don't like him because he's too polarizing. Oh, I mean, of course, right. Because I know, even in my family, I know I'm going to probably talk to my dad. I'll probably talk to some some people that actually want Trump to run because they say that it's not DeSantis' time. Well, when I have this discussion, we need to start with something tangible, okay? The first thing that I would first ask is, is Trump running, is former President Trump running to be president of the Trump party? Or is he r- running to be president of the Republican party, because there is a difference. I present to you. If you guys are watching me on YouTube, you can find me on YouTube at it's on my mind. I'm going to actually share this with you over at Politico. Politico writes, Trump raised millions, but spent none of it on audits and GOP candidates. The one outside group, the former president supported during the first half of 2021 was his own. Meredith McGraw continues, six months since leaving office, former President Donald Trump, is sitting on a $102 million war chest. But having whipped his supporters into a frenzy with pledges to overturn the election and promises to support Republican candidates in the midterms, he's not spending his campaign money on either. A review of election filings from Make America Great Again PAC, Save America PAC, and the Save America Joint Fundraising Committee show that not a single penny was transferred or contributed from from those trump affiliated entities to gop candidates or committees involved in the midterm election. So I I actually go back to ask you is he president of the trump party or is he president of the republican party? Because the republicans on the on a on the national level they were projected to to win at least 30 up to 70 seats at some point. And then I see some of the comments that well you can't believe all the polls. But if you actually look at all the polls, The polls were within the margin of error. Like, the margin of error is, like, plus three, minus three, either way, right? Like, it it can be within here. The only thing that the polls did is that the polls over-guaranteed for Republicans. They were too good for Republicans. And at the end, it showed that independence broke for Democrats at the end. And... You can call, and I I know, look, the, the Fetterman race, completely frustrating. I get it. I don't understand how you can actually vote for somebody who, and look, I mean this respectfully, who almost, like, he's suffered from a stroke. And when you say someone suffered from a stroke, your first thought should be, do they have brain damage? And see, some people think that the American people are dumb. And for the most part, they're not. And this is where it's kind of puzzling, because if you watch the Fetterman debate, and in this day and age, debates just don't go out in the ether and just kind of like disappear like they did maybe in the 90s, right? It, it goes all over social media. It can go on Instagram. It can go Facebook. It can go on TikTok. And to see the poor man in John Fetterman not being able to finish a sentence or not being able to articulate why he was before against fracking, and now he is. But yet... Democrats have the audacity, have the audacity to say that Herschel Walker suffers from CTE. No, what you mean to say is that Herschel Walker suffers from holding opinions that aren't yours. That's the difference. I really have a hard time consolidating the thought that, hey, the American people aren't dumb. Because for the most part, American people aren't dumb. But when you give them the choice, of somebody who in some cases was defended as he has a speech impediment which is bs or as Dr Oz was painted a snake oil salesman from out of state and then you have you have Adam Laxalt in Nevada you have other you have candidates like Joe Kent who was Trump endorsed won in the primaries, but lost in an R-plus-13 district. If you have all these candidates that are losing up and down the ticket, what about that tells you that Trump or anybody, I don't care what the name is, should be plunging in the pool to be the next president for the Republican Party? And none of this actually makes sense. Like, I've worked in public relations, and when when we have, like like, a good piece of news, and there's, like, four months out until we have, like, a launch, we would never launch this piece of news that we have four months leading up to the event. That's just too much runway. And the thing about Trump, it's him being polarizing. You either really love him, but he can also, even if you love him, Donald Trump can be very tiring. He can be exhausting. So you look just across the board, the people, the candidates that he's endorsed in swing states, purple states, and these candidates lost by double digits or were competitive when they shouldn't have. How do you how do you reconcile the fact that you say that is the leader of our party? When you have inflation at a 40 year high since the last time Jimmy Carter was in office. I wasn't even born yet. You have crime surging. You have people struggling that can't pay their bills. You have a war on natural gas. And you have all of these things going on But yet the Republican Party can't muster up not only good candidates, and I'm going to get to this in just a second, but even here in California, even though Trump was not here, okay, Trump did not come out here, our candidates did actually fare better in a blue state because Trump just didn't come out here, whether you like it or not. He didn't endorse anybody. But Republicans out here, and on a national level, what they fell into was they just pointed at what was wrong over there. The thing about the American voter, the American people, whether you like it or not, like you can point out that's bad, but almost always it's it's bad over there. Like you don't want somebody coming into your house and say, your house is ugly, your house sucks. No one likes that. Don't tell me my house sucks. Only I can say my house sucks. Don't tell me my yard is growing weeds. Don't, I know that. But I can tell you that my neighbors' weeds are growing bad. But if you come to my house and say, hey, I like your house, I can help you spruce it up if you want. Analogously speaking, in campaign speak, what the Republicans lacked here in California is they they didn't provide of the alternative of what California could be if you voted for different policy. And you had. Democrat candidates like Josh Harder campaigning on a Republican message. I'm going to actually show you what that clip looks like. Let's go to this Josh Harder clip. I think this is a clip two here. Let's play the tape
1: as a police sergeant i've seen a lot josh is raising a family of his own and he knows that we have to get crime under control josh is one of the few people that truly understand what the valley needs to be safer josh is fighting to get law enforcement more funding so we can hire more police officers get the equipment we need and lock up drug traffickers that's why he's endorsed by the largest law enforcement organization in the state josh harder is helping guys like me protect families like yours i'm josh harder and i approve
0: the, you know, you know what that missed though <laughs> is that Josh Harder received money from an AOC pack that defund, that was for defunding the police. But Republicans don't actually have as much money as Democrats are spending here in California to get that message out there. His opponent, Tom Patty, full disclosure, I, I know Tom Patty. I've I've swapped text messages with him. Tom Patty actually called him out on that in a debate, but that debate wasn't seen by a national by, by a national audience or voters up and down the state. Hey, I want to go to a break real quick. I want to go to this Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump discussion in just a second. This is On My Mind, and I'll be right back in just a second. Come back to me. Hey, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is On My Mind. I'm Ray Perez. And what we were actually just talking about Republicans barely hold on to the House, they lose the Senate. And a lot of the candidates that actually lost in the Senate, some of the governorship, some of the House, were Trump endorsed candidates. Now, I, this isn't uh, an indictment just on Trump's policies. Because I can defend his policies being America first, having no wars, keeping North Korea and Russia at bay, being very pro life and strengthening our relationship with Israel. Of course, those and having a, a stellar economy, all of those can be right at the same time. But his announcement yesterday is a stark contrast to when he first announced back in 2015. If you remember, he's coming down those stairs and it was just a majestic show, and he's coming down and he had at some point, you know, he had messaging that actually resonated with even some progressives that I know. Like the other day, I was at a campaign party for a local candidate and I had a progressive Latino and he's a lawyer, very well educated. And he straight up told me, he goes, yeah, Trump's presidency. The first time around, I had a really hard time speaking out against him because how do I speak out against somebody who wants to keep jobs in Michigan? and not have them go out to either Mexico or China and bring jobs back to the United States. Like, that's kind of hard to speak out against, but I voted against him. Like, that's 2015 Trump. And that's new, right? All of that is new. But you go to 2022 Trump, what comes with it is, of course, January 6th. Whether you think it's just ridiculous or not, that imagery is out there. The fact that Trump didn't wasn't quick to it and saying, I'd stop trespassing on the Capitol, That's going to hurt him. The election denial. That is always going to hurt him. Even me, as a Republican, as a vice chair here in Yolo County, I am not Trumpian. I'm a two-time Trump voter because of his policies. No matter where I go, and it's not a Republican base that I'm visiting, it's always, do you believe that President Biden was elected fairly? That, That is all I have to answer for. And that actually has affected Trump's vote. That affects who he has endorsed. On the contrary, you have Ron DeSantis to like that. That is where you have the red wave. While Republicans had the red trickle and Trump whimpers, the Republicans actually flipped DeSantis and Rubio. They flipped all of Florida. Back when DeSantis won his first term, he won by 30,000 votes. You you fast forward, what, 40 years, and he won by a million and a half. And keep in mind that Governor Gavin Newsom, who's probably going to be the presumptive nominee if Joe Biden doesn't get challenged to be the presidential nominee in 2024, he spent over six figures in campaigning in Florida, and it seems that it did a whole bunch of nothing. And I think that Governor DeSantis has it right. That's where woke goes to die, is Florida. In an election year where inflation is at its 40-year high, crime is surging, we have an ongoing war in Ukraine that almost seems like there is no end in sight, you would think, you would think that Republicans would have the upper hand. But no. Instead of, instead of this upcoming election being about Democrats, which it should be, It's been about Republicans. And I go back to ask you, is is Donald Trump the president of the Trump party or is he president of the Republican party? Because at a time where we we lost seats, instead of going after Democrats and talking about how the regular American family can't save, can't gas up, struggling to pay their bills, struggling to make ends meet, in high crime cities, Riddled with crime. In Democrat cities, President Trump is making it about Glenn Youngkin, making it about Ron DeSantis, calling him Ron De sanctimonious. And I want to get to that, actually. When Ron DeSantis was asked, what do you think about Donald Trump calling you Ron De sanctimonious?" he was actually met this is, I'm going to get to what he had to say. I want to play the tape. I think this is clip three. Hold on. Let's get to uh, clip three. Think about Trump's
1: big announcement and some of the less than flattering comments
0: he has made about you. Well You know,
1: one of the things I've learned, like, learned in this job is, um, uh, when you're do when you're leading, when you're getting getting things done, yeah, you take incoming fire. That's just the nature of it. Uh, I roll out of bed in the morning. I've got corporate media outlets that have a spasm just the fact that I'm getting up in the morning, and it's constantly <laughs> attacking. And this is just what's happened. I don't think any governor got attacked more, particularly by corporate media, than me over my four-year term. And yet, I think what you what you learn is all that's just noise. And really what matters is, are you leading? Are you getting in front of issues? Uh, are you delivering results for people? And are you standing up for folks? And if you do that, then none of that stuff matters. And, and that's what we've done. We focused on results and leadership. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I would just uh, tell people to go check out the scoreboard <laughs> from last Tuesday night. Uh, the fact <laughs> of the matter is,
0: guys okay i I just look I, i just can't help but laugh because here's a couple of things that's true okay i can make the case that ron desantis has governed more conservatively than donald trump just off the just off the bat when donald trump had the opportunity to get rid of dr fauci he didn't when everybody else was closing down the country because of covid Ron DeSantis opened up, which has led to an increase of population, okay? But the second part about this that makes me that makes me laugh is Ron DeSantis doesn't take the bait. But what he does do is he doesn't call Donald Trump by name. But what he does do is he indirectly and subtly puts Donald Trump and his nemesis, Donald Trump's nemesis, the media, in the same group calling them a distraction and that's the right thing to do and just the other day i don't have the clip but i actually heard it the other day on a podcast the moment the the day that ron desantis won because florida actually counts their votes on the same day you heard the crowd not ron desantis but you heard the crowd chanting two more years this is a four-year term So for everybody saying that Ron DeSantis needs to wait his turn, his turn ends in 2026. So let's just say Trump does win 2024. By the time 2028 rolls around, Ron DeSantis will have been on the sidelines for two years, almost not doing anything what Trump is doing now. And Donald Trump right now is not riding the same wavelength that he did in 2015. So what Ron DeSantis just did right now, and Glenn Youngkin is doing it well as well, they are not engaging into this nasian warfare where you have to launch attacks on your own party when the entire country, like I said before, and I'm going to say it again, and what Republicans should have been doing, is launch, is... Putting the spotlight on your opponent, which is the Democrats, and also saying what are you going to do differently now that Kevin McCarthy is actually the leader of the House and he want and uh, Mitch McConnell actually actually was just voted in as leader of a Senate Minority Leader, they both have to. The Republicans they have to start off with what are they going to do differently because you cannot continue with they're bad. That's not good enough. And in many cases, the reason why that's not good enough, in purple-to-swing states, there are more Democrats than there are Republicans. What makes it a swing state is that there are overtly many more independents that can swing the swing the election. And in purple districts, all Democrats have to do is, I'm going to give you free stuff. That's what Joe Biden did leading up to the election when he told Gen Xers that he was going to pay for their college. And like 24 hours later, a judge struck that down. It's no coincidence that Democrats who are promising to give you something saw a spike from a promise that they are going to do. Also, at the same time, while providing a policy, which I disagree with, they're still providing a policy. Democrats still gave the mantra, Republicans are bad, it's a threat to democracy. That's what that means. Republicans need to come up with a solution. How is our lives going to be better? I hope one of them is stop spending. How are we going to lower our gas taxes? How are we going to lower inflation? How are we going to make our communities safer? Because as of right now, Ron DeSantis should be the clear-cut favorite for 2024. And I'm going to finish it with this thought. Donald Trump, like his policies, but the reason why he affects the electorate up and down the ticket is because even even if, even if Donald Trump were to win, let's say he were to win 2024. Okay, I'm happy, whatever, right? We have a Republican president. The electorate, the common person, is going to have to answer for Donald Trump at every step of the way. No other president did we have to wake up In the morning to see what he was saying, the president was saying while he was probably on the toilet tweeting. Because I have to answer for it. I don't want to have that conversation. I just don't want to. If you notice, Ron DeSantis is not on Twitter. His press secretary is. She's doing the fighting for him, but she's not running for office. What Ron DeSantis represents is economic freedom, fighting against COVID, and he governs more conservatively. He fought for his kid. He fought for the kids. He gave the power back to the president. He gave the excuse me, he gave the power back to the parents. If you go onto my Twitter account at it's Ray Perez, I have a thread going on right now on why Ron DeSantis should be the Republican candidate for president 2024. And if you look at the date, April 18th, 2022. And I started off with, and I'm just going to mention just a couple of them because we're running out of time. While while all of America was facing a supply chain issue, Ron DeSantis pushed for more cargo ships to come to Florida to help ease global supply chain. That's the Bay.com. Ron DeSantis defends women's sports and stands up to the NCAA, unlike other Republican governors. That was on Tucker Carlson. He's, he, Ron DeSantis says, quote, you can't be cowed by these organizations, particularly by woke corporations from doing the right thing. And so my view was throughout this whole time, we have to protect our girls, close quote. During the pandemic, other states were prioritizing healthy young adults for the vaccine. DeSantis rolled out the vaccine and prioritized elderly over the age of 65. At the time he was criticized, looking back, this was the best decision, according to all available data. Governor Ron DeSantis slams critical race theory and says it has no place in Florida classrooms. Not worth one red cent, he says. Teaching kids to hate their country and to hate each other is not worth one red cent of taxpayer money. Ron DeSantis can come with policy and he can fight their culture wars. But the culture wars, and this has been said on other podcasts, the culture wars when he fights them, it's like the whipped cream on top. The policy is the cake. And the policy affects your quality of life, your quality of living. I want to go to break really quick. I want to talk I want to take it to the tweets. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back. Thanks so much for tuning in. I want to take it to the tweets real quick. We have Ronald F. Fong on Twitter. He asked me, make the UC Regent an elected position instead of a gubernatorial appointment. Hey, I'm all for being voted in. Like, I'm all for it. But I will say, though, you know, uh, I I don't know if you've received your ballots. I don't, uh, you know, here in Yolo County, we had a list of judges. I don't know who the judges were and it wasn't until after i sent in my ballot that people who are familiar with the judges of the like 3 or 4 i they said we should have voted for one meaning i left those judges blank cuz i don't know anything about them so that is my hesitation to putting something on the ballot that people are going to blindly vote for something that they don't really know about i don't i honestly i don't know i'm not sure I I understand. I I really, really do. If we were to put the regents on the ballot, would they have to be propped up to be something like the controller, like Lonnie Chen and Malia Cohen? In my lifetime, I've never seen the controller race be that, be that publicized, right? Like the, the UC regent would have to be publicized and a PR campaign and a, a nonpartisan PR campaign would have to be launched for people to understand what the UC Regents did, and not like like the judges. I don't know who the judges are. I don't know what they did. I, don't know. I left it blank because there were a lot of public, I, I guess, news about them. Uh, I also had um, ah, my colleague uh, Wyatt Jun Jun-Tunin on Twitter. He asked. Why does the fifth, now maybe the fourth biggest economy in the world, have have the slowest vote counting? There has to be a better way. There absolutely has to be a better way. Now, obviously, as a conservative, I think everything should be at the local level, but I do think that there are some things. I do think that there are some things that should have parameters at the national level. For example, voter integrity. Now I know, like like Carrie Lake in Arizona. Look, you have to show me proof that there's impropriety, but I understand why you're questioning that there is some form of impropriety. The fact that your system that you have set up in one of the most, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? The 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 most modern country or country on planet Earth, the most advanced takes over a week and a half to count ballots, whereas one state in Florida, which has been the topic of conversation, can count ballots in a day. But here, the legislature overtly says, not only are we going to have mail-in ballots, but we're going to do drops over a period of time. Here locally, the city council race, they had a drop the day of, They had one the following Monday, and then they're going to have one this Friday. I don't understand why they—I mean, maybe if you were to meet me halfway and make it a two-day thing, but a week and a half, that you are building. You are building or instilling, at the very least, instilling a grain of improprieties, a grain of, well, why? What, What are you doing? Because you know what it's going to take? I'm going to end up like this. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take a Democrat being completely upset by a Republican on the national level in a blue state. So, like, if someone of this, of a high stature ran for Republican here in California and came back and beat Gavin Newsom unsuspectingly on the last batch on this upcoming Friday... I have a hard time believing that Democrats would not say, hold on here. A Republican won on the last batch? That is when heads are going to start turning, right? Like, wait, what's going on here? But it should be across the board. And I just don't know how do we instill that on a national level? How do we instill voter integrity rules at the national level? Do we nationalize our elections? I'm not sure. I'd have to have a conversation about that. The Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. This is On My Mind, and I'm Ray Perez. Thank you so much for tuning in.